With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome back to the Big A Strong Lesser Boys uh, podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And yeah, how about that then? 4-2 win at Aston Villa at the weekend. And I mean, we've had some good fun and some good results in, in recent times. And look, it's it's not up there in terms of, you know, massively, massively important. But my word, it was it was much, much needed. Really enjoyed that game. We can't wait to, to talk about it. And delighted to say that this week, after missing last week's episode because he was travelling out to Australia, we are joined by Jack Holmes. So, Jack, coming live from Australia and with a hat. Good day, yeah. mate. How are you, pal? Good day. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's 6am here. Uh, my hat's falling off. I don't think it's going to stay on for the, the whole show. I just put it on for the intro. Uh, but that's a Bunnings Warehouse uh, hat, which apparently is a, is a famous thing in Australia. Um, keeps you sun safe and all that. So, uh, so yeah. But I um, was a bit gutted to miss out last week. I... Uh, I, I did enjoy listening. I um, was staying at a hotel and I could get YouTube on a treadmill. So I actually listened to all of you lot whilst having a run on a on a treadmill, which was quite the experience, particularly when uh, after about the uh, the fifth time of uh, the Who Are You intro theme tune playing, um, it, it really got me going and I got a decent time. But no, delighted to be back. It's, uh, yeah, as I say, it's 6am here. I'm sat out by the pool because... Uh, my uh, my nephew has um, commandeered uh, the living room to watch Octonauts or something. So uh, if there's a bit of background noise or a few birds in the background, that's um, that's because they're there. So uh, yeah. so yeah, um, yeah. So uh, thank you for for raising that. I, I was going to apologise. So for anyone, and well, for the many people that that did mention the fact that Who Are You was on repeat for around 15 minutes for the for the end of last week's episode. I'm not sure what happened. Um, I would endeavour for that not to happen again. But congratulations if you did manage to, to make it all the way through that last 15 minutes of that just on repeat uh, slowly underneath. I'm not sure if I'm just going deaf or if there's some major technical problem. Um, but Jack, of course, with you being in Australia, can you just let people know what the time zones and situation was for you to watch the game on Saturday to, to show that real level of commitment? Well, when I say real level of commitment, I almost, I, I was very very nervous about the game yesterday for for many reasons as, as rick knows i have an irrational hatred of aston villa which <laughs> i'm not really sure is explained by anything other than i have to spend a lot of time in birmingham so i was very nervous about the game so i did try and sleep through it but after going to bed at like 10 i think i woke up seven times between then and one about one fifteen. um i woke up it was one all uh, I then tried to go back to sleep. It was then 2-2, at which point I said, right, I'm going to go down and watch it. Uh, so I was up at 1.30, 1.40 to watch it, watch the whole game. 
obviously was very very excited uh and then um at that point couldn't get back to sleep so i, I think i did a solid 20 hours awake yesterday um which with two kids under six running around was uh quite taxing <laughs> but uh the result kept me going for for quite a long time yeah um got a uh, special guest joining us on the the podcast this week who i'm going to get to in a couple of moments time but before that uh we have a new wrestler theme tune um and this is of course because we're about to welcome rick flair to the show but first of all rick this is what we've got for you this morning if you smell what the rock is cooking Welcome uh, to Ric Flair. That, of course, being The Rock, his theme tune, his entrance. Rick, um, we mentioned last week your love for Tete and your excitement when he did sign and the journey that you went through. I mean, that performance was everything that you've been telling us he's all about on Saturday, wasn't it? How much did not only that game, but in particular, the performance of Tete, um, how much did you enjoy that Saturday? It was well. It didn't surprise me. Let's be honest. That's what he does. Um, but I was relieved because I have gone a bit over the top about him. Um, but that's because he is that good, and we needed him. I mean, it's what he brings to us. He's just gonna. It's just everything. So yeah, I mean, my phone's just gone wild the last uh, last twenty four hours or more. It was almost as if my own son had made his debut, which. <laughs> pretty impressive because he's only six years old but um no it was it was a fantastic performance and um he, he yeah he delivered didn't he um and even harvey barnes as well look at how good he was yesterday um two assists arguably the one for pratt it was just yeah made up and that's that's only a six seven out of ten performance with tete you wait <laughs> so look, i'm gonna enjoy this this episode it's so much better when we win a game of football isn't it makes things so much more fun and easier right um let's get to our guest um having leaving um leaving waiting for, for for long enough um everyone knows who this man is everyone knows his voice it's the one and only ian stringer uh ian Hello and welcome to the Big Strong Leicester Boys podcast, mate. Uh, thank you for joining us. No pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jake. Um, so look, <laughs> you've you've done these games and, and shows for, for for many many years, right? Try kind of explain how difficult it can be doing those shows and those commentaries week in week out when things aren't going very well. It's it's difficult, isn't it? Um, do you know? I apologise, but. I'm going to disagree because... Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't find it hard at all. I found the disconnecting from the club as a fan actually quite easy um, because professional pride kind of took over and takes over. And um, I found it easy that way. I found it easy the kind of adversity way. Um, and I found it relatively easy the the winning, um, the winning way as well. So it, it was okay. I think the, the the hardest thing as a broadcaster for me was um, the social media bomb that went off, uh, and it's dealing with that. You know, not l convincing yourself that the loud voice of a majority represent uh, minority mm. represent the majority because they don't. No. Um, but it, 
the hard bits when your kids are Leicester fans as well. So when you're a parent, <laughs> you you force them to be Leicester fans, and then you know you come home and they're they're more gutted that City have lost than you. But um, I've been able to find my love for the club again since not covering them week in week out, and that's been a joy at times. And and I'm really really pleased that they managed to beat Aston Villa. I'm really pleased with Brendan, who's somebody I've got a lot of time for. Yeah, so look, I mean, so much to talk about uh, about that game on Saturday. But, but but before we do, Ian, you know, on yourself, obviously, there has been a big change, you know, in your life, you know, for 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 many years. You know, people did hear you on on BBC Radio Leicester doing all the commentary. So so, what is that now like going back to Leicester? Obviously, you're still very much working in the media, but not mm-hmm. doing Leicester week in week out. What is that like now? You just said being able to kind of you know enjoy it. Is it, is it a different kind of enjoyment and experience now going as a fan? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and. Um... It's taken a while to get back into because the the way in which um, the divorce happened has been and continues to be quite messy. Um, but to go back with with my kids, in particular with my daughter, who's the biggest city of you've ever seen, by the way. <laughs> we had a conversation about six months ago. She was saying to me, and she still calls me daddy, bless her. She's like, daddy, am I allowed to swear at the football? I said, sweetheart going to learn some fruity language the football is where you start and the first swear word I ever heard leave her mouth was an away goal kick and she's looked at me and started oh and I'm like I'm actually quite proud yeah <laughs> quite proud so um it's been nice to go back as a fan and see that and experience games and and some some of the some of the love is is able to come back and that's been that's been wonderful. I covered the Leicester Brighton game for Talk Sport. It was nice to see Brendan in the press conference and the build-up and see a lot of people there on a match day. It was nice to exercise that ghost, as it were. And I think that was game 695. Leicester City game 695. Um, so, yeah, it's it's good. It's good. Talk Sport's great. Love it. I know clearly you've plenty of experience there and doing other things in other places. So, yeah, I'm resurfacing and, and I'm, mm. I might enjoy Leicester City a little bit more. Yeah, well, look, mate, it's, it's it's great to to have you on the podcast and it's great to have you still very much involved in media. And as you said, you know, working now at TalkSport and, and various other places. So uh, great to see. Um, let's talk about the game then um, on Saturday. A 4-2 win, going down twice. You know, we've, we've mentioned it a number of times, haven't we, that Leicester, how many times we've failed to 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 either get over the line Um the amount of times that, well, the stat is that we haven't won a single game in which we've conceded a goal in until, of course, on Saturday. So the mentality and the, and, and the spirit, I think, that we showed throughout, I mean, I I won't lie, when we when we conceded that first goal, Jack, I thought, oh God, here we go. And I was, I was, I was really nervous at that point. I'm thinking you take a point, you take a point. But then we, we we bounced back immediately. Now, don't get me wrong. Aston Villa gifted us a couple of goals, didn't they? Is it is it the, the fourth and and the first? Is is pretty horrendous defending by them. But on the whole, Jack, I thought particularly as an attacking threat, that quartet of Madison, Tete, Barnes, and Kelechi and Acho, I thought they were I thought they were outstanding um, and mouth watering in many ways at the prospect of those four playing again. I really really enjoyed that game. Yeah, I think we we definitely look way more of a, a threat going forward. I, I think what you say on the on the first goal, yeah, it's a mistake by them, but we forced them into a mistake which seemed seemed very deliberate. And um, yeah, I think I think going forward, we just had so much more about us in even in the second half when we run to the kosher a little bit. I think just 
we'll talk about Tete a lot, but even Christensen gives us an outlet because he carries the ball up the pitch and the team just looked so much stronger. I was really, I was really pleased personally because I've banged on that this team needs uh, new players for a long time. And I know Brendan said the same. I don't know, a lot of us on the podcast have said the same, but it, it, it really showed because, you know, it, even in the in the Brighton game, we had one outlet, which was get the ball to Madison, really. But Tete, just his touch is phenomenal. Um, there was one point from a corner, which I absolutely love. It almost cost us a goal, actually. But he um, the ball comes out and he nutmegs the, uh, the player. It doesn't quite come off, but... Just having a player like that in the team that can go past players makes such a difference. Um, and uh, I absolutely, is my new favourite player. I absolutely love him. He he doesn't look like he does look like a professional footballer physically. His face doesn't look like a professional footballer. He looked knackered <laughs> after five minutes, but he he's strong. He gives a bit back to the crowd, which I absolutely love. Um, I mean, he's 20, he plays like a, a much older player. Um, I was really impressed by him. And I, I can't remember, someone made a point. He's like, he's in his pre-season. He got a bit of cramp at the end and then went on another 30-yard run and then got substituted. So I, I think it's really, really encouraging. I I've, I think I'm as positive as I've been all season. And I, I, don't, I don't want to get carried away, but I look at that team that we put out yesterday and I'm like, that's, that's a good team that, you know, Jordan said for most of the season, it's a top 10 team. I can sort of believe it based on what I saw yesterday. Cause it's got goals in it. Um, but, um, but before that I've, I've, I've been a bit on the fence, but um, just really encouraging. And I know we've got tough games coming up, but you know, it felt like we've got the sort of Leicester of old back, um, which is, which is really, really exciting. So, um, so yeah, not getting too carried away, but really, really encouraging. I felt, yeah, the, a Leicester of old, but of course there was a new feel to it, Rick, with with all three January signings starting. To throw all three in from the off was um, was brave. Um, I thought that Brendan might be a bit more cautious. Um, he probably gets a bit of an unfair rep on that. Um, you know, some of the signings that he's made over the years that perhaps haven't been ready, but he threw them in. As Jack said, Christiansen has been... I mean, I love Tete, as you know, but Christiansen on, on Saturday was was phenomenal um, and he's just settled in and he brings that mentality and aggression that we have been so badly lacking. And I, I suspect Suter will do the same. He looks he looks like he's a, he's a big lad and he's a winner. Uh, he, he obviously had a slightly harder game yesterday, but I thought nonetheless he was he was pretty impressive in parts. And, and Tete was obviously Tete, but overall it could have been one of those games that we, we ought to have lost given how we... Um, started the game, how then the own goal went in, which we're getting a, a bit of a flavour for, aren't we? At the minute, Wild swipes into the net. But no, we, we bounced back. We did everything that we've not done, coming from behind, coming from behind again, taking our chances. Ian Accio, you know, what did we say on the podcast last week? Um, we, we, were, we were sort of mulling over whether he would now get a chance, and he did, and a goal, two assists. Having two wingers bomb on, allowing him to drop in really worked um yeah i can't i can't really fault anything and, and we needed that win didn't we let's be honest yeah. everyone around us pretty much won yesterday and today bar perhaps bournemouth and southampton but you know we needed that and we've got a tough run but i mean we needed it on the podcast because i dread to think how negative we were going to get so <laughs> and me me and jordan were serenading one another with westlife yesterday on whatsapp <laughs> so you know it's done the world of good for us so 
No, brilliant. And long may it continue. Well, you, you'll get your wish, Rick, at the end of the episode. We're going to play some Westlife. You, you can sing out the show. How about that? Um, but the, the the starting song, of course, um, Status Quo, Rocking All Over the World, uh, Tetty and Ian Acho. Um, Ian, let's let's talk Ian Acho, shall we? Because he's been at the club a long time, right? And I tweeted this after the game that, you know, this is a guy that has, has never really been first choice. And he's somebody who, without question certainly in my mind anyway has the ability to, to play Premier League football and most other strikers or players probably would have got incredibly frustrated and, and, and wanted to leave the football club but but to me he's always just you know gone about his business very respectfully whenever he has got an opportunity where it being cup games he's always done well I mean his, his goal scoring record in the FA Cup is is pretty remarkable and you know unfortunately I think the reality is he's never really quite fitted the system that we've played you know, and playing second fiddle to Jamie Vardy, there's, there's no shame in that. But now, with the current system, with two wingers and the lack of form of Vardy and Dakar, it's a massive opportunity, isn't it, for Kelechi Iheanacho? I'm desperate for him to take it. Um, he's got a wonderful opportunity, and I think the, the biggest opportunity he's ever had in his Leicester, Leicester career to be the main man, hasn't he? He has, and, and and I agree with you regarding there's a player in there. There's quite clearly a player in there, and, and we've seen, I don't think we've seen enough of it, but I also agree that I think he's a confidence player, and I think there's some players like that that need time, they need to settle, they need the shoulders to dip a little bit and to feel a bit of love. Some players don't need that. Some players can just, you can drop them in and they can they can crack on and, and, and pick it up. Um there was a lot of excitement around Kelechi and Nacho at the time of signing. I remember in the summer I was I was at um, Ladies' Day at Leicester Racecourse and and it was all the talk of the town around that week and, and people I remember one guy shouting at me, Stringer, <laughs> are we signing Ian Nacho? I've no idea, mate. I've left my crystal ball at the dry cleaners. I don't know. I've no idea. Um, so there was a lot of talk about him, a lot of excitement about him. Jake, I'll say this. It feels as though Kelechi Nacho's the guy that's been trying to fit in another bloke's suit. And it just hasn't fit. And as much as you look at it and think, yeah, he'll get in that, it'll be all right. He's put it on and he's just not <laughs> felt okay because it's been Jamie Vardy's suit. Tell me a striker that's worked at the football club under Jamie Vardy, around Jamie Vardy, since no. Shinjo Kazaki. Mm. Hasn't been one, has there? Because no. he is the greatest player to ever play for the football club, that ever will play for the football club. So I think playing second fiddle to that when everything was designed around him has been a real tough ask. And managers have got it wrong since before him, uh, before Brendan Rodgers. And I think I think the management of Jamie Vardy is ultimately going to help Kelechi and Nacho. But imagine being Nacho. I want to play boss. Well, the greatest player to ever live still blazing his boots. I can't, nobody, you can't drop him. So I think the, the transition is what's, interesting me the transition of the post Jamie Vardy life I still don't think Lecce and Nacho is the long-term solution but I think you know the Taylor offering to make him his own suit to go back to that I think is is progress for him mm. and ultimately he scored the goal that got Leicester City to the FA Cup final so I think I'll love him forever yeah um, and then a word on on Tete Ian uh, my, my brother's messaged me already this evening saying, you never fall in love with loan players. And we need to remind ourselves, don't we, that at the moment, Tete is only on loan. 
And if he keeps performing like that every week between now and the end of the season, yeah, he probably love his time here, but there's going to be other Premier League clubs then potentially interested in him. So, um, you know, I'm not going to try rain on anyone's parade, etc. But if I was Leicester City, what I'd be doing right now is exploring after just one game. Honestly, I'm convinced after one game, exploring the situation in terms of making this deal permanent as soon as possible, because since that- we had Mares, we, we haven't had anyone like that, have we? No, and one swallow doesn't make a summer and all that. So he's played well and I'm overjoyed for the guy because I think, again, Brendan's reaction post-match tells us a lot. You know, I think he said um, he's a player who's been waiting for for 18 months and he's smiling and, and he's infused by him and that excites me. Um, I love a player that's got a point to prove. I think that's what helped Leicester City win the Premier League when they did and, and clearly with what's gone on with his club or going on with his club, he, he knows that. But they need to have already been working on this deal. And they should continue to be working on this deal. There should be two pieces of paper because I'd imagine there will be some kind of option there for them to explore now. So Jack will probably tell you more, but in in the in the hierarchy at Leicester City Football Club, even when he signed the day he signed, they'll be talking about right. Here's here's the contract if we want to try and get it done. Here's the other option if we don't. If it doesn't work and. If they need to accelerate that, then they need to accelerate that. But um, I think there's a much bigger risk to take than a, a Brazilian footballer who's got a point to prove that's played very well in his first game and is mm. is doing very, very well. So the short answer is, yes, the deal should already be there. The paperwork should there should already be. I know it's complicated because of the, the issues with, uh, with his club, but they definitely don't want to get caught out, like you say, and somebody else will be watching on and go, yeah, thank you very much. You're going to go to Newcastle. Exactly. Um, and Jack, what I really loved about not just his performance, but everything since he signed in, in the few days is, is how much he appears to be so happy that he signed for Leicester. He looks like he, he, all his dreams have come true by, by playing for this football club. In contrast to, to Jack Harrison, where never really wanted to come, did he? You know, it was a potential pay rise. If Leeds didn't want him, probably would have reluctantly signed. We don't really want or need players like that. With all due respect to Jack, you know, obviously if he didn't want to leave the football club, he didn't want to leave the football club. But Tete and Christiansen and probably Harry Suter as well, they look like they're really, really happy to have signed for Leicester as opposed it, to, you know, just, just joining the football club because the opportunity was there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, uh, the point you make is a really good one. It's nice to have footballers that want to be at the football club and are really excited about being at the football club because I don't think we've had that for, a, you know, we've had a lot of players that have, have maybe been looking over their shoulders at, at other things. I mean, he there's a story during the rounds that he turned up at the training ground and just, you know, was FaceTiming his family and, and things yeah. like that. And absolutely loved it. I mean, he's, he's not stopped smiling since he got here. I think there's a, I mean, he doesn't speak a word of English by all accounts, but I, I'm loving the interactions between him and Ricardo, who's being his translator and, <laughs> and things like that. I think, I think that's wonderful. Um, I absolutely loved his celebration. I mean, you know, we talk about him being the heir to, Mares has thrown and even celebrates like him with um, failed knee slides um, as well. So, uh, and yeah, you know, I've never seen someone fist pump so quickly since uh, since he signed other than Ric Flair. Um, so, but yeah, it, it, he does look, He, he you know, he, he looks brilliant. I mean, I, as I say, I, I, I turned it on midway through the first half. I have subsequently watched the rest of the first half. Um, I turned on, he rolled his ball, uh, ro- rolled his foot over the ball 
three times and then did a step over and put a cross in on his right foot. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I'm mm. starting to believe Rick now. And, you know, just, just in the second half, he looked so dangerous. He looked such a threat every time he got the ball. And, you know, that my one concern for him was, can he pick up the pace of the English game? And he's not doing the Perez, I'll take five touches when one will do. He takes one and gives it. He can receive the ball with, with his back to goal and things like that. So, you know, as, as Ian says, I'm sure they have either an idea of how they can sign him or um it, or are exploring it i imagine probably one of the things that will come down to is whether you know one of the things that if we get 40 points and our premier league status is assured then as soon as that happens you do whatever you can to keep him if he keeps performing as as he does because you know I, I, I think we are, I haven't really talked about our January transfer business, but it was so important to get those three players in because even now in the summer, there's still going to be a transition of about four or five players. So we've just eased the workload enormously on that. You know, Tielemans isn't going to be around. Madison's not going to stay, sadly. Um, but, you know, if Madison does go, then it makes it even more important that Tete stays for me. Um uh, and and I think we're probably just going to have to enjoy the next six months of those two on the pitch together because I'm not sure it's going to happen for that long, but it'll be brilliant while it lasts, I guess. <laughs> no, it will. Um, Rick, of, of the quartet, we, we haven't mentioned. I mean, you did briefly mention Barnes, but on Barnes and Madison, but then specifically Madison, you know, it's, it was no coincidence, was it, when we were losing games after the World Cup break, Madison wasn't there. It, it goes without saying that he he's, he's just, he's, he's an elite footballer isn't he Rick and you know we 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 do have to understand and recognize that the probability that he leaves in the summer is incredibly high but he completely transforms Leicester doesn't he he's he's, he's a top class footballer yeah he's he's now our talisman isn't he he's he's mm. probably taken over from Vardy in that regard you can you can sort of see by you know his social media posts when he like yesterday everything that he was posting and all the players then are, are sort of following up with posts it's like he he now leads the club i think madison does and he deserves to you know what he's done since well early last season he you know he had that rough part back end of 2021 when we won the fa cup where he got injured and he was sort of a shadow of his former self for a while but he's been breathtaking um for over a year now and and rightly it sadly probably is outgrown us if we can't get back to the top eight. Uh, he de does deserve to play ch uh, Champions League football or certainly European football. I would love him to stay, um, but you know I don't begrudge him if he does move on. I just hope we get that sort of mon uh, money for him that that we're not going to get for Telemann, Sadly now, um, but he, he, you know, he was great again yesterday. He just gives us, I suspect. As soon as you know that he's playing, everyone else knows that their job's a little bit more easy. Yeah. It gives um, everyone a lift. It does. And I know football's all about confidence and momentum, and it's hard when you're losing games to to see where you you get get just anything to to pull yourself out. But you know, Madison's got that confidence, and I love him. He's he's just you know his technical ability is it's up there. Well, um, that was going to be yeah. my question to to you, Ian then you know this technical ability being right up there yeah um, where where do we put him because we have fortunately had some brilliant players in in recent times you know I always say that the Riyad Mahrez is the most skillful and most talented footballer I've ever seen play for Leicester and I thought it's incredibly unlikely that anyone would ever rival that now I don't think that that Madison does overtake Mahrez but for me I think 
seemed if if my lifetime maybe a bit of a stretch. I don't know, but but maybe he is second to Mares. He he's that good, isn't he? Let me show you something. By the way, my love of Riyadh. Very nice. Which which game's that from? Uh, honestly, can't tell you, um, and because that would that would mean I might have to burn my yeah, uh, which I wouldn't I wouldn't possibly want to do. But where is James Madison? Well, yeah. Um, He's a different player. He's not. He's not a winger. So wingers are very different players. Wingers are. Riyad is the most skillful player I've ever seen play at the club. I didn't get to see Frank Worthington, um, or or Weller, two players who my dad tells me um, I would have enjoyed watching because particularly Worthington for his skill. But Madison's a really different kind of player. Um, where would we put him in terms of skill? I mean, yeah, in talent. In, I, I think talent. in terms of talent, oh. he's one of the most talented footballers I've seen. In a, I think he's one of the most talented footballers in the Premier League, In I, I honestly do think he's that talented. I think he's naturally very talented. I, 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 yeah, I think the word you use, talent, Jake's a good one because it looks like if a player was born to play football, James Madison's that player that was born to play football. Wasn't he? He's like he's a bit like Joe Cole. I always thought Joe Cole was just naturally a really talented footballer. You look at him and you think he could he could beat anybody in a phone box, couldn't he? And and yeah. he looked the ball just like obviously Gaza was the ultimate, wasn't he? Um, kind of player of that ilk. Um, and for James Madison to get anywhere near that conversation, there's a few years and a few England caps that need winning between now and then. Um, do you know the thing that impressed me most about James Madison is his temperament. And his temperament change and the change in who he is now as a man, mm. as well as as a footballer. I know he's he's had a, a child and that's great. And I, But I think that that, I think he's had a lifestyle change. You know, Marcus Rashford's doing that kind of celebration, isn't he, with his, with concentrating because of his, his lateness. I think James Madison's had a similar thing where I think he's a lot more focused on his football, focused on what he needs to do. In terms of natural talent, he'd he he would be up there. Um, I don't know whether he's in the same conversation as as Riyad, but he's definitely going to be in in the top five. I reckon that that I've watched play natural talent, but then Cambiasso would have to be in there as well for me for the for the players that I've seen play in the last fifteen years. Uh, Follow up question: Go If on. you work in the current market, somebody comes knocking in July. August, whenever, whenever you want, whichever mm. opens for thirty-five minutes. What's he worth in the current market? A fit under the contract he's under, James okay. Madison. What's going to cause John Rodkin and Susan Whelan and Cuntop to go? All right, let's talk. I mean, the the contract situation is the ultimately the the dictator here, isn't it? Because if he had three years left, Ian, and the way he's playing right now, and you're looking at, I know Jack Grealish would always be the the one. That he's compared with, but 100 million pounds for Jack Grealish, which I thought was was too much. I would say that Leicester can demand 80 million pounds for James Madison if he had three years left on his contract. Mm. Unfortunately, he doesn't, and mm. it's pretty obvious he isn't going to sign a new contract. So Leicester then have no choice but to negotiate. In it is the brutal reality. So I think if Leicester can get 60 million pounds in the summer and can sell him to to Manchester City. And so he goes off and improves as a player and plays under Pep. I think that is the best solution all round because he plays Champions League football. 
he gets what he wants, which is to play under Pep Guardiola and, and Leicester get compensated to a, a very decent fee. And I think that that's the reality in terms of the best case solution, I think, personally. I, I think he's he's only got a year left, which is a challenge. I think the advantage for us is there isn't a side in the top six or Newcastle or anywhere in Europe that wouldn't want him. So Man, Man City will want him. Auction House. I think Man, Man, U, Man U will take him. I mean, Newcastle think he already plays for them. Bizarre. Uh, European Cup this uh, week. Really uh, good. Oh, yeah. They've won the European Cup this week, Newcastle. I'm uh, overjoyed for them. They've gone so long without a trophy. And this week they won the Champions League, which was great for them. Um, it's not just us. They're doing it to Declan Rice now as well. Uh, strange bunch. Uh, anyway, I, again, Arsenal, I could see him there. Spurs, I could see him there. Chelsea, sign anyone. Um, and and Liverpool need a midfielder. So there's there's going to be some interested clubs there. I, I can see him going to Man City. And in a weird way, I mean, although I'm not particularly enamoured with them, he deserves to play at the very highest level for me and he deserves to be mm. playing for the Premier League and the Champions League you know Newcastle all, all, all due respect you know they might get in the Champions League this year it might be the Europa League um, they're not going to be competing for the title I don't think so I, and I think he knows that so so yeah I think um, he, he's doing everything we can ask of him as well right he's, he's just getting his head down scoring yeah. goals not making a fuss about it so you know there are ways to leave, and there's been interest before, but he's he's handled himself incredibly well. It's great. Um, how how long that lasts, and how, you know, because Leicester will dig their heels, and I'm sure, and make it make it difficult for other clubs to buy him in the summer. Um, but I, I think there's a deal there to be done, and and hopefully, you know, it can be done amicably between between everyone. I'm sure the club is saying to him, "Give us six months, get us up the league, and we'll we'll find you the right home," which is. Mm. Um, a bit upsetting, but not not under, not non-understandable, I guess, if that's even a word. Yeah, we understand, even if it was non-understandable. Um, Jack, you wanted to, to mention Harvey Barnes as well. Yeah, um, did he get two assists yesterday? Uh, definitely his um, cross for Ian Acho's header, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Ian Acho yeah, got two assists and... Who it got was the, the one for one. Pratt? So the one for Pratt, which I has that gone down? Has that gone down as an assist for him? It won't have done because it, it had a bit of a, a balloon up okay. off, um, off one of their. But by the by, Harvey Barnes yeah. another assist. Like yeah. you know, Thank I've you. been called some strange things on, on Twitter <laughs> for backing him up. I wasn't quite called a weapon. I was called a weirdo who doesn't go to games. Uh, Harvey Barnes output machine again, like. <laughs> Yeah, and what you know, having Tete and Madison in the side makes him a far better threat. Um, and people just need to get off his back because he's a really, really good player. He's one of our own. He scores goals, he assists goals, um, and and you know he's he's one of our best players. So um, so yeah, I just wanted to get that in once again. No, that was that caused quite the, the stir, didn't it? Quite the debate that Harvey Barnes went and in all the various WhatsApp groups. I mean, still um, those same conversations are happening. Um, unfortunately for Harvey, he just needs to keep delivering and hope. At some point, people do recognise how fortunate we are to to have someone as, as talented as him. Um, Boys, before we look ahead to these next three games, uh, Spurs, Arsenal and, and Manchester United, um, shall we have a, a quick pause and, and do a game of, of Who Are Ya? Yeah? Right, perfect. Right. Okay, let's do it. Who are you? Who, 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 who are you? 
Who is your daddy and what does he do? Who are you? You. No, not me, you. Yes, I am you. Just answer the damn questions. Who are you? Wait a minute. Right, and the trick is, Jake, to make sure that the music stops this time and doesn't go for 20 full minutes. And uh, Ian, I saw you shaking your head there at Who Are You? Are you a willing participant or a reluctant one? I, I just think it's a really good idea for a feature, and I'm, I'm interested in who you robbed it out, where you got it from. It's a really <laughs> good idea. You've even hey, made it as I did. Well, true story, um, this audio, the little music stuff there, obviously nicked it from from various films but i used to do a a non-league football show on another radio station many years ago and i used to do this exact same game with non-league footballers um so so that's why i just recycled it for this one in with we weren't particularly original either don't you worry no no (laughs) but i will steal it and rebadge it and use it as my own i will try and take part i enjoyed bruno burner was it the week before last not last week Correct, it was. Um, has he appeared as well in the last few weeks? Yeah. He has, he has, he has. See, long-time listener, first-time caller. That's what I like, Ian. You worry. So, it is Mr Rick Flair, I believe, who's taken well, on. I was going to say about Rick, is it any yeah. coincidence that it's the first time, for Rick's first sort of, you know, permanent stint on the show and the audio goes to the absolute pitch as a result of it. It's pure chaos when Rick's around. Yeah, I was all over the place last week as well. It's <laughs> better this week, but um, yeah. Well, and I'm two out of two on who you I are. aren't I? So you are. It's probably best to let you boys have a chance today and me be the, the quiz master. So, right. Are you ready? No. I think we're all ready. We are. Okay. Go on, go for it. He signed last week from late. No, not really. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> So, okay. First clue, eyes down looking. He was born on the 24th of January 1983 in Manchester. Okay. And the first club he played for was Stockport County. Nicky Adams. No. 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 Because that'd make him 40. Too young. Yeah. Right, so next clue, and I'll bring a bit of Leicester in here. So he played for Leicester on two separate loan spells. The back end of 2005-2006, and then again in 2006-2007. I like this one already. Two loan spells. We can't have had many players that have done two separate loan spells. We were crap back then as well, weren't and we? It's, it's really the perfect bad. era as well, yeah for us to know this one this not, is our teenage years not, not a good era for me this no. jason jarrett no do you want another clue i do yeah is it you'll be surprised to know he's a left-footed midfielder and after leicester he yeah. went back to his parent club and that didn't get too well and then he ended up at toronto fc for a year and then in after him. who in Hume? No, no, I mean, Hume, Hume was a permanent Bernie and did well for mm. a number of years. It was a Toronto, that's what's Toronto. Ah, uh, yeah, because he's Canadian. Good one, right? I have not picked uh, let me think here. Two loans, yeah, and ended up he in played, Toronto. He played for his first loan, he made 10 appearances and scored one goal. And then the second loan, he only made seven appearances, no goals. Oh, oh God, here we go. What? <laughs> Is this Darcy coming to say hello again? Yeah. Hi, Darcy. 
Welcome back on the podcast. <laughs> um, right, let me do another clue. Left footed. Yeah. This is this is a terrible era for me. Come on, Jack. I can help Jack get this. Mm. I don't so, clues. I can coach Jack to get this because it's in there. I just need to get it out. We just need to get it out. Jack, you don't he's know who. Of, he's current manager of Bury Bury FC. Richard AFC. Wellens. No, not no. Richard Wellens. Oh, that's an awful guess. Sorry. Apologies. Barry. He's a mank. Yeah. He's about 40 years old. Left footer, midfielder. So, 06, 07. Oh, is it Nicky Summerby? No. no. I t- I'll give you another clue. We signed him from Sunderland on loan. John Welsh. Oh, nearly someone Welsh, Andy Welsh. Correct. No idea. John Welsh is another midfielder, isn't he? My final clue. Do I win that? Yeah, you you have. I've just I've put it on the line for, and you've tapped it it in. Yeah, yeah. I was getting the the final clue. I was going to give was he was born in England. He played for Scotland, but his surname is another of the home (laughs) (laughs) nation. Jack, as well, did you not? Sorry? Did you have a Who Are You as well? Uh, I did, yeah. Do you want me to do it? Well, I'm just interested. I've got got three weeks in Australia, so uh, there was... uh, Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll do one next week. Okay, Mm -hmm. okay. Who's on next? I'm on next week then anyway, so, right, okay. Kevin Paul. Sorry? I'm just getting guesses in. Kevin Paul. It's yes. not Kevin Paul, no. It's not Kevin Paul. But it's no, it's, 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 it's winner stays on. So you you stay on, Jack, and I I I go on to Quizmaster. I don't know why each week we're still unclear of what our yeah, own rules are, and we do this I'm every week. I'm not really sure we've established any rules because I, I I wouldn't say there's a precedent for that. I'd say we <laughs> no. just make it up as we go along, right? Because otherwise, Jordan would never have a go. No, Evening, Jordan, no. if you're listening. Mm. And I'm annoyed. John Welsh was a. From Liverpool was a midfielder, played for Tranmere. Um, so Andy Welsh, I've I yeah. Andy Welsh stopped me in the street. He was, he was a left winger, and I think he played under Rob Kelly. Yeah. Um, and I remember him being quite slow for a winger. Yeah, which but, which was a challenge. I think he ended up at, at Yeovil as well, either yeah. after as well, significant. Yeah, so I do remember him. Yeah, and I remember him Who being incredibly average. Sunderland, Sunderland were his parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's when I got it. There's not much to say about him other than that, really, because he had a complete nondescript yeah. Leicester career, really. Um, I only so cared not even any anecdotes I can throw in about him. No, but that was the era, wasn't it? We, we had hundreds of players just like that for, for a good few years. That's just how it was at, at the time, wasn't it? Um, right, OK. So let's, lads, look ahead to those upcoming games. We, we mentioned, actually, before we started recording, that, that A... Winning against Villa was was massively important anyway because we hadn't won a game post World Cup in in the league anyway, but also loads of teams down there in in the Premier League table picked up points this weekend and it's it's so tight, isn't it? I think seven or seven or eight teams, but also um, Ian because we're now going to a run of three games of Spurs, mm-hmm. Arsenal, and, and Man United. So yeah, momentum is yeah. obviously. Is is something, but yeah, if we if we hadn't beat Aston Villa at the weekend, we we may well have been been in the relegation places or incredibly close to it. So that was massive, wasn't it? For for so many reasons. 
Yeah, it was. And and they did win. So um, that's, you know, that, that glass is certainly half full um, and an opportunity for them to use that momentum and, and move on. It depends how you look at the difficult games, doesn't it? Like, Dyche and Everton were looking at Arsenal at the weekend thinking, oh, no, Everton fans, harbingers of doom. Oh, no, going to lose. And, you know, they've they've nicked a win. So Spurs have beaten Manchester City over the course of the weekend. I know that's not as much of a a giant killing, but these teams are beatable. They are, on as long as tactically the team is set up. I just hope that the, the Foxes have got the leaders to pick up from where they left off um, and and take games to... Spurs, that's the difference, isn't it? Taking the game to them, being fearless, that old hashtag fearless uh, thing coming back. But they're formidable teams. Leicester are, but have, have signed good players. I agree with what with what was said right at the top of the programme, that these three signings in particular were vital. Honestly, think without them, the club were in all sorts of trouble. I yeah. really do. Mm. Um and and they all look good quality players. I think Suits has not been spoken about on the show so far. I think, you know, he might look like a B Tech Harry Maguire, but he, <laughs> you know, he's I think he's a good player, solid player. Keep him fit. I think that's the problem. Coming back from a lengthy injury, keep him fit. And I think he could be a good signing um for the football club. Uh, and the good thing this week, uh, Jake, is that they're looking forward to Spurs. They're looking forward to Arsenal and Man United because they've got a win and they're you know they've got some fresh blood in, and that will have lifted everybody, and it will have lifted Brendan. That's that's what a lot of people will forget. Brendan's been looking over his shoulder for signings. He's not handled the, the, a lot of it particularly brilliantly, but he's been the only person to speak, and he's been frustrated, and that's all very very clear. But he's got what he needed, what he wanted, and that's fresh blood, and he's used it. And you guys were right; he had the confidence in his conviction to start the players. Keep going. You know when when you chip leader in poker. Don't be a shrinking violet. Keep going, keep pressing, mm. keep pressing, keep pressing and press home that advantage. And I don't know, those three games, what are you taking? Four yeah. points? Oh, um, yeah, I would absolutely take four. I would, I would take four. I mean, Jack, I'm thinking about this Spurs game and, you know, Ian is right that they will now be looking forward to this game. I'm now just less fearful than what I ordinarily am when we play Spurs, because I can't remember the last time we had a normal game against them. It always <laughs> feels like, Jack, that there's some kind of drama or story or, I don't know, when we play Spurs. Somebody may pull out and, and point out a fixture I can't remember, but it always tends to be some kind of story at the end of it, which usually doesn't end positively for us. Uh, you say that. I, I, I don't know whether it's just because we've won, but there are two games that have kind of stuck in my head one is that I think the first game we played against Spurs under Brendan Madison scored a 30 yarder and Ricardo scored and we came back from 1-0 down almost 2-0 down because there was a Serge Aurier did a stupid dance uh, when he thought he'd scored and then VAR disallowed it which is uh, one of the great VAR moments if, if there is such a thing uh, and then we also uh, we beat them at their place during uh, Covid I think Madison scored. I think Vardy scored a penalty again. Vard just before half time. So actually, it was at half time. Yeah, it was. At, they'd almost gone off, it right? And then yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, they're tough games, but we are due a result against um, against one of the big six because we've not got any points off them in in a long time. And um, and yeah, like you know. It, 
Spurs is at home. Spurs, I looked at that, you know, they've beaten Man City and I think they've they've won a few, but, you know, they're only a few games ago from, you know, Conte's leaving and he's sulking because he's not got the players he's need. So they seem like the club, a club that's constantly on the, on the cusp, but Arsenal have just lost. You know, I don't think the season is going to play out in the second half like it did in the first half. I think there are going to be, you know, sides that go out of form as well as sides that come into form. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, whether it's, you know, punch drunk because we've won a game, but I, I I think there's opportunities to pick up points. And and I, I think I said this before we went live. I think some of them just don't lose. Just pick up a point. We've drawn three games all season and we've lost 12, I think. We've lost far too many games. So we need to find ways of not losing games now. Um, so, so, yeah, just, you know, beat Spurs, pick up a point against Man U, pick up a point against Arsenal. I... I um, I, I like I said, I'm, I'm looking at that team, and I think you know the team we had out can can challenge every, everyone. And also, Samara is back this week. Evans is back this week, and he probably won't play either of them. Which you know we were talking about a lack of strength and depth a few weeks ago. All of a sudden, you know you've got a few options on the bench. Hopefully, Ricardo's back soon too, and and you've got some serious options. Um, so yeah, who knows? But um, I think. I think Ian, I'd snap your hand off for four points. So I, mm, I would definitely fair. take that. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can um, we can go and have have a right go. Yeah, and I've, I've said it many times before. You know, Leicester under Brendan Rodgers, we're streaky. You know, we go through terrible spells, we go through great spells. Just hopefully, we're about to embark on one of the much better runs, and it would be ideal against these these three teams we, we have got coming up. Uh, Rick and Darcy, a question for you, which is slightly non Leicester related, because um, obviously we, we're playing Spurs up next. They're currently fifth, I believe. I don't think they've jumped above Newcastle, have they? Um, so the way the leagues look at the moment, Rick, we've got what probably Arsenal and Man City batting out for the title. Man United are probably third. And then we've yep. got Spurs and Newcastle. Probably that's that's the battle for fourth, isn't it? There's been so much hype and, and talk around Newcastle. And, you know, I won't lie, I'm struggling to buy into the fairy tale. I, I really am. Um, do you want Newcastle to finish fourth or, or would you rather it be Spurs, genuinely? Uh... Not that bothered. I mean, it's nice to see teams disrupt the, the the traditional six, but I don't know. It's and they're not. They're quite a nice bunch, aren't they? The Geordies in in a way. I mean, and they've been through hell with Mike Ashley, but also they're pissing me off. Excuse the <laughs> language. They are. Um, you know, they're and they're long suffering, but the way that they're courting Madison, the way that they're behaving. I listen to talk sport. I listen to various things, and they're all on there saying that they're going to win the league. And I know we've got. I mean, I've probably said muck like that in the past when we were doing well. But um, I mean, if they do, if they get there, and they've averaged two points a game, which I think is what's going to need to happen, then fair play to them because we fell shy, didn't we, under Brendan a couple of times where we looked like we were going to average two points a game. And we got sort of 65, 69 or whatever and finished fifth. If they do that, if they get, you know, in the in the mid-70s, fair play to them. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't want Spurs to get fourth either. Um, but, it, yeah, <laughs> so you're, asking, you're asking me whether I want to have a mug of sick or something equally as unsavoury, I think, there. But, um, no, I, one thing I will say about Newcastle, though, yeah. for, you know, obviously 
you know, they're under this very, very wealthy ownership, the, the, the most wealthiest in the world. And they have spent money. But to be fair, what Eddie Howe's done, you know, he's turning the likes of Joe Linton and Dan Byrne into elite footballers. And, you know, Joe Willock and Almiron are all playing very, very well. So in some ways, fair play to them because, you know, they, are, they will spend a lot, lot more money um than they have done and i'm sure they'll do well but so yeah i, I don't know how to answer that jake if i'm honest who signed out who was um who was owner of the club when almiron signed it was ashley it was, club it was record ashley, yeah. Yeah. ashley yeah but that that's why benitez left wasn't it because it, i just it, think my cash a bad rap and i know i'm gonna get slaughtered for it but like... pin this clip We've got to clip this and put this on Twitter. Oh, Ian. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag NUFC. Mike Ashley kept them in the Premier League, right, when he could have pulled the plug and just sent them into financial doom. He sorted them out with an owner that is pretty much Saudi Arabia. So they're owned by one of the wealthiest Middle Eastern states going. They've got liquid gold coming out of the dressing room. So In Joe Linton. I his people brokered a pretty decent deal to sell the club onto. He pumped a few quid in, maybe not as much as all the Newcastle fans wanted and wanted more and think that they deserved more. And, but... and he got 30 million for Iosi Perez. <laughs> probably the best piece of business. <laughs> he must have been a genius, but I don't know, like he gets hammered. He gets hammered, but I think, I think just keeping them in the division where they were that poor. And I know the argument is, he installed the managers that were that poor, and Benitez was clearly an error, but it was a it was an ego signing as a manager. But kept him in the league, sold him to a decent owner that's got loads of money that maybe shouldn't be owning the club. Uh, if you listen to some quarters, and he signed Joe Linton, he signed Almiron, didn't he? Signed some decent players. Mike Ashley has given an unfair bad rap. He, he did give Pardew a seven-year contract. So it was eight, wasn't it? Oh yeah, something <laughs> something obscene. But... He didn't appoint Joe Kinnear as well, did he? Or was that pre-Marcashi? Because that was sensational. Joe <laughs> have you ever Kinnear. have you ever heard that press conference of Joe yeah. Kinnear? He goes, "Oh really? yeah, that is that is amazing." I, I, I think I think that was Ashley as well, wasn't it? I think was it? it was. Yeah, inspired. Um, he was setting them up for all all of the success by <laughs> and and keeping them down. I don't I don't feel particularly does... uh, uh, the, the Newcastle thing. I just think everyone's getting really, really excited. I heard Danny Mills the other day start to liken it to Leicester winning the Premier League in 2016. What but, Newcastle have done this season is likeable to what Leicester did in 2016. People are saying that about Arsenal as well. But, mm. but people are saying, oh, Arsenal being an incredible achievement. It's like they spent 300 million quid. Yeah. I think we could do a whole show on Danny Mills, to be honest, because he absolutely detests Leicester. When we won the league, he didn't have a good word to say about us. I don't know whether we've done something wrong to him, whether... But you well, think he's a man who's very limited. One, so he got sent off. Well, there's a very limited footballer who maximised his potential. You think he would have uh, seen some sort of recognised what we did, but no. Yeah. There's, no, there's a real we... theme with bald men named Danny that don't like us because Danny Murphy doesn't like us afterwards. So if anyone knows a bald man named Danny that likes Leicester City, please let us know. Well, why don't you go... You're in Australia. Why don't you go and try and find Danny Tiato? I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be out there somewhere. Um, right. Let's move on from Newcastle and bold Dannys. Um, last week, Ian, we were we were chatting um, about the midfield conundrum. Mm. Right. 
um, what's our best three? And we went with the three on Saturday, which we wanted to see, um, Dewsbury Hall, Tielemans and, and Madison. Now, of course, we've got a winger, which means that we can put Madison back centrally. But of course, that means there's there's not a natural holder or, or sitter. Um, I think we got away with it a little bit on, on Saturday because it was like a basketball game, wasn't it, at times? It was end-to-end and you can't help but feel um, some protection at times would be quite nice. And and asking, you know, Yuri just to, to sit in a little bit, I think you can do that, but ultimately it's not really his, his strength. Um, I want Keenan to remain in, in the side. I think his energy is, is so vitally important. And it goes without saying that the Madison is, is one of the, well, if not the first name on the team sheet. But we've just won 4-2 against mm. Aston Villa. Do you keep that same trio against the likes of Spurs, Arsenal and, and Manchester United? Or do you look at it and thinking, we're probably going to need some sort of protection here at, at some point? For me, I would be really hesitant to 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 go without a natural sitter against one of those three. I, I just think we're just slightly too open. And you can get away with it against Aston Villa, but probably not against those three. Um, I've I've always been of the opinion that I think if you've won a game away from home 4-2 or you've won a game and you then miss out, I always worry about what that says to the rest of the dressing room regarding your place. You know, you've played really, really well. Who are you going to drag? Kinn and Jewsbury Hall out of the out of the team, you're gonna you're not gonna drag Yuri because he's the best player other than Madison in the team. Um I, I hope we can all agree. Clearly you're not gonna drag Madison out of the team. So uh, Ian, you... I would I would drop Yuri. I would. No, no I think I think um I could watch Yuri Tillemans play football all day. I think he is so gifted. I think he's, we were talking about naturally born footballers earlier in James Madison. James Madison, the other end of the field. Um, I think he gets, Yuri gets as much out of his engine as he can. I think his work rate's outstanding. Um, for me, it'd be Madison and then Tillemans would be the next name on my team sheet. I think he's outstanding. Um, I think he should play every game and twice in the same game if that can be possible. Um, what are you looking for, Jake? Um, well, that's the, the, the difficult thing, isn't it? Because not um, well, goodness me. Well, well, that's that's the problem. That's the problem. So th- this is this is why I think it is a bit of a, a conundrum because I, I do think that if you are playing against those three, Mendy. I do think I do think you need a natural sitter. And, and right now, Mendy is probably the one. But I've never been completely sold on Mendy. I think he's a nice footballer. You're dropping Yuri Tillemans for Papi Mendy. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. Mate, your head against that wall, but <laughs> times. Uh, what you've just said. No, I think it's a, I think it's a conversation to be had, and yeah. and for me, I, as much as I like and agree in terms of Yuri's talent, yeah, there are times when, say even at the weekend, I thought that he goes a long time when I just don't really when we haven't got the ball, he 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 can be a bit of a passenger. He I can as close to a leader as they've got mm. when they've Evans, um, who leads certainly leads by example, uh, Vardy was an on-the-pitch leader. Obviously, Kasper Schmeichel having lost a leader. That's down the spine of the team, by the way, I remind you. And Yuri's the closest to a leader that they've got. Um, but he is leaving. So that means you drop him. Would, so- well, don't get me wrong. I think I think Tielemans is our second-best player like you, Ian. But I do worry we'll start the game against Spurs 
And then after 20 minutes, we'll be saying, why haven't we got a sitting central midfielder in there? We're getting overrun. And then what do you do? Yeah. No, if you drag him and you put Papi Mendy in and they're losing... No, not Mendy. You can't put Mendy in. You're going, what are you dropping Yuri for? You've lost 4-0 and you've dropped your most one of your best centrally based players. He would get battered by... You're right. I think well, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. I think with one four two, you're right. I'm torn. I, I think you can't drop Dewsbury all. You, you can't you, drop Dewsbury all though with his pressing. I you, think well, if, no, you it, can drop Yuri. You just can't drop him for Mendy. Yeah, you well, can't. Drop but, him for but, Mendy, this, but this is the problem. We wouldn't even be having this debate though, Jack, if if Wilf's form hasn't been as as bad as what it is. Because I know I'm not the only person that thinks this, but Samari plays quite well against pressing teams. Hmm. And he carry, he carries the ball, and hmm. and actually, if you I know we signed Christensen and I know we signed Suter now. You do need a little bit more. You need a bit more physicality in the side. He does give us some of that. So, based on what I've seen this season, if you're dropping him for anyone, it'd be Sumare for me. Hmm. And why I mean, Jack Harrison, by the way, what were they after in Jack Harrison that they wanted to get through the door? That they will now be missing because just wanted, that... I I think they wanted another winger. Because at the yeah. moment, if Tete or Barnes gets injured, I mean, Harrison can play both sides. Yeah. They haven't got another player. And, and you know, Barnes, whilst he has, you know, he is an output machine, he doesn't necessarily play well always in games. And and Harrison might be a bit more of a steady option. I think he's probably better defensively than Harvey as well. Yeah. So with 20 minutes to go, you might bring him on to close out a game and give you some energy runs all day. So I can see why they would want him. And to be honest, I... I slightly annoyed we didn't sign him still because I just I do think we it doesn't surprise me Rick uh, I do think we need another winger in the in the side just so because you know it's great if Barnes and Tete are fit but what do we do if one of them is injured stick Madison out there play Pratt he's not really a winger like it it does create as a bit of a challenge apologies I moved I moved you from central midfielder to winger apologies but I would I'd start the same central your question i'd start the same lads because i think he gets battered if he doesn't and, uh, and, 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 and but he's breaking his door down to uh, that to unseat i think juice Hall was a, a great talent his energy but it was responsible for one of the goals at the weekend wasn't it mm. uh, i think he will start with it as well I do and same in many ways it was a high, hypothetical question but i do think you know bigger picture stuff if we can sit yep. here and say it's great to have that three I do think also we, we we do need to to recognise that there's not a natural sitter there, and I, whether it's Dewsbury Hall or Tielemans, you are going to compromise one of them. You're going to have to, um, to to make sure there is somebody there, you know, with some kind of presence, you know, just holding back just a little bit. Um, Jack, there's been lots of shaking of the head um, throughout that midfield um, debate and, and, and conversation. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're just squinting from the Australian sunlight or you just look really angry at what I'm saying. The sun has come out just to the left of me and it is right in my eyes and I haven't got my sunglasses so and I'm not putting that silly hat on again so uh, that might be why do you know what though I'll, I'll stop shaking my head and say isn't it nice to be having a genuine debate about selection because we've not had one of those so there's a few like Evans Evans is fit does he who does he come in for he doesn't. When, when he's back well he probably doesn't right but he's club captain and you go mm, does he play into the fairs I'm a big fan of the suit you can't buy any uh, Leicester shirts in Australia currently. Um, I've, I've told the club to go and work on that because I think there's a big market out there for uh, for that. But um, 
you know, I, th- I think he's impressive. Uh, Ricardo comes back in. I thought Castagna was bang. I'm, I'm a big Timmy fan, but I thought he was really average on Holy on yeah. Saturday. I think, I think you know, there's a, you know, wouldn't it be exciting to see Ricardo lined up next to next to Tete going mm. forward? I think, I think there's there's some real excitement there. So, you know, in lots of places, and you know, in uh, I know you're not you're not the biggest fan of Dakar, but you know there's still Vardy and uh, and Dakar around as well as Ianacho. So there are are some competition for for places. I mean, we're not. I, I think you know we're looking like a you know I look at the side on paper again, and it all of a sudden looks a lot better. I'm still Danny Ward still concerns me a little bit. He did fall over like a sack of spuds for the suitor goal. I'm not quite sure how he can do that in such slow motion. Um, but but yeah, no, I, I, I I'm I'm. I'm not frowning too much. I'm I'm money teasing you, Jake. But um, it is nice to be having, you know, these these uh, these debates. And um, I think Brendan always says this: it's not just about the eleven that starts the game; it's about the eleven that finishes it. And having, you know, if we don't play, if we play Yuri, KDH, and Madison, you've still got Sumari and, and Didi out that you can bring on to close out a game as well. Um, so it gives you options to change it, particularly now with five subs, which we don't seem to be able to utilize that and and it actually brings me I, I wasn't going to say this but you know Brendan was getting a bit of a stick for the three subs he brought on but I actually thought he helped close out the game I mean Pratt scores doesn't he um and Mendy sort of you know does what he always does which is just get the ball and pass the ball but that's what we needed at that stage in time so it's not just about the players that start but it's um it's nice to be having a debate about who starts and who doesn't because we've not really been able mm. to have that all year no, you are definitely right with that. We'll not disagree with it. Um, lads, I think we're at the, the stage of the of the episode where it's kind of any other business. We, we've we've still got a poem from Ric Flair to do and some Westlife, believe it or not, two of the things I didn't really expect to be saying on the podcast. But is there anything in particular burning inside which uh, any one of you three would like to bring up before we do that? No? Can I give you one little uh, Brendan Rogers-based anecdote and... I've not had the ability to be on too many airwaves, thankfully, for many people, um, <laughs> in a while. Um, I know Brendan Rodgers isn't paid to be a good bloke, right? But we hear enough stories of where footballing fraternity players and management aren't necessarily characteristic. I just wanted to let you know that, and he's paid to win games of football, um, but I spent some time off the air and away from reporting for a while um, for various different reasons that will remain private for now, uh, but they then caused me to to have some time away and not be particularly well. Um, anyway, I was sat I was sat actually taking my son to a, a medical appointment about two or three weeks in, and the phone rings, and uh, I didn't take it because I was waiting to take my son in for his appointment, and the person left a voicemail, and it was Brendan. And he said that he'd been speaking with Birch and Birch had given him a flavour as to what's going on. And he was concerned and he wanted to give me a call and he wanted to reach out. And he left me his number. He said, call me back. You know, during the day, I'm going to be training with the boys, but give me a call back and I'll call you back. And he called me back that night and he spent half an hour on the phone to me, listening, giving advice, um, being genuinely sympathetic and understanding and really tried to kind of pick me up. Now, he delivered me as a boy the, the gift that I always wanted as a Leicester fan, and that was the FA Cup. Never thought the league was achievable because I support Leicester City. Um, so I'll love him forever for that. But that phone call and that contact, he didn't need to do that. And Brendan's not here to win hearts and minds. He's not here to win mates. That's not his job. His job's to win games of football and develop players 
fine. He knows that, and I know that, and everyone knows that. But he didn't need to do that, and he did it because he used to see me twice a week, and you get that kind of relationship. And I give him stick when things were bad, and he knew that, and he knew the game, and he knows the game. But I just wanted a, a doth of the cap that actually behind the guy that you see in the dugout every week and here in a press conference, there's a good bloke, and he is a good bloke, and he won't hear this, no chance. Uh, but. <laughs> uh, but Brendan Rogers for that phone call and that half an hour and for showing that he cares. Thank you. Lovely story. No, that's great. And um, yeah, I think it's one of them things that, that needs to be said as well sometimes because, you know, people do forget that. Um, so yeah, no, really, really nice. And um, Ian, Brendan 100% listens to the Big Strong Less Boys podcast. <laughs> so. I hope he doesn't, Jake. Yeah. Never speak to any of us. No, <laughs> well, I think he is listening, and that's why Ian Atro started because he's been listening to me slam Dakar uh, every week. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> right, um, Rick Flair, you have, I believe, written a poem or some words about Tete. Is this correct? I have, um, and uh, yeah, I don't need to say too much about his performance yesterday, but. Yeah, I've written a few words about him. It's called The Ode to Tete, right? There was a young Brazilian called Tete who came to play down the Cite. His first touch is as soft as a pair of silk kegs and a beans and little sausages baked from Greg's. Even Brendan stopped moaning about things. Look at what he did to poor Tyrone Mings. I keep sending him messages on Insta, but he hasn't replied. I can only presume that his phone must have died. He has single-handedly saved our season. And if we don't sign him on a permanent, then I want Rukin done for treason. Up the, up the Tete, up the city. Rick, I absolutely loved every single moment of that. That was beautiful. Out of curiosity, how long did that take you to write? Oh, a couple of minutes. I saw yeah. Ian hiding in his hoodie there. That was very offensive, Ian. No, he was. It was. He didn't want. He was. He was crying just because it was that beautiful, and he, he just didn't want you to see that. That's what it was. Rick, that was sensational. Like, I, I don't know where you come up with this stuff, but it is. It's outrageous. It was horrible. Baker. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do, Thanks, do, do, when you, when you're reading bedtime stories to to your two little nippers, I mean, do, do you read like poems like that to them? So. Honestly, I swear on my life, last mm. night, for a mm. laugh, I did decide <laughs> to read Darcy's story. Well, not that I was reading her story, and then after that, she still wouldn't go to sleep. So I did see if she was interested in a story about a Brazilian superhero called Tete. But no. she, weren't, she weren't bothered either. <laughs> Went down about as well as my poem. <laughs> well, I thought it was beautiful. Right, chaps, that is the end of uh, today's podcast uh, ian once again um thank you for for joining us i think i speak for for, for both the, the chaps here and everyone listening uh great to hear that you're back well again you know and you're back on the airways um and yeah hopefully we, we see and hear a lot more of you because it's been it's been too long um and you're 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 a proper lesson man proper lesson fan and yeah i think we're all dead happy to have you about mate appreciate that and good on you for for launching the podcast a podcast that's got genuine leicester fans on it that that talks about current affairs and and doesn't spend 47 minutes talking about a right back's right foot and the positioning of it. So, no, good on you. It's good, solid Leicester City chat. I love it with crap Leicester Market-based accent poems as well. I am back in. 
And it's all about to get that a little bit weirder. Rick, um, I've got you some Westlife. This is after you and Jordan. This was is Jordan. Yeah. Well, you both joined in. I was opening the, the WhatsApp group on, on Saturday. Jay, have you explain why Jordan isn't here, just so people think he hasn't been ousted for Rick? Or have I missed that? Uh, no, I didn't. No. He's, no. He's, he needs a week to for it to... Was that it? That was it, wasn't it? A big tattoo of was it? He's, he's <laughs> out. Where it, I can't remember. He's in Seville, Bill isn't he? Fall, is it? Bill Bow falling off scooters. Yeah, he's on a stag doing Bill Bow. So Jordan will be back next week. He hasn't been dropped. Um, but I did have to listen to minute-long voice notes from both him and Rick singing Westlife on Saturday. Um, so I think we can only really then finish the show this evening with Westlife. Uh, Rick, hopefully you like this one. This is Westlife, World of Your Own. Um, feel oh, free thanks, to, to sing along. You make me feel funny. When you come around, yeah, that's what I found out, honey. What am I doing without you? You make me feel happy. When I leave you behind, it plays my mind now, honey. What am I doing without you? Oh, took for granted everything we had. As if I find someone who's just like you. Oh, Podcast Network.